Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello and welcome to Texas Ag Today for Tuesday, September 15th of 2020. I'm your host, Carrie Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by with the latest news in Texas agriculture. Feral hogs forcing South Texas farmers to change their farming practices. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. The lower coastal band cotton farmers are wrapping up the 2020 harvest season. This is Harvey Buring reporting from the Corpus Christi area. We'll have those stories coming up, plus the latest wildlife news and a complete look at the markets coming up later. But first, here's a look at news headlines. The cotton market is making another run above 65 cents this week, and this is a good chance to sell unpriced cotton. Texas A&M cotton marketing specialist John Robinson says he doesn't think we'll see prices above 65 cents for very long, so producers should take advantage of this opportunity. I wouldn't be sitting around waiting for them to get to 69 or 70. I would be doing some pricing, even though futures at 65 is not probably a profitable price. It may be the highest one that the market's going to afford. And this is one of those years where we're going to have to take whatever we can get out of the market, plus an LDP, plus your seed cotton PLC, plus whatever CARES Act, other type of payments come along to you know, to get through. USDA lowered their 2020 cotton production estimate last week by 1 million bales from 18.1 million down to 17.1 million. Ag equipment sales continue a positive trend. Unit sales of agricultural tractors and self-propelled combines in August were positive for the fifth month in a row in the U.S. The latest data from the Association of Equipment Manufacturers shows U.S. total farm tractor sales rose 12.8% last month when compared to 2019. Self-propelled combine sales grew by 1%. College students have a unique opportunity to attend the 2021 Cattle Industry Convention and NCBA Trade Show in Nashville, Tennessee. The National Cattlemen's Beef Association is looking for a team of interns to gain first-hand experience and interact with leaders of every segment of the cattle and beef industry. The group needs up to 18 interns to help with the success of the largest annual meeting in the U.S. beef cattle industry. Feral hogs are forcing South Texas farmers to change their farming practices. Tom Nicoletti talks with one South Texas farmer about the effect that wild hogs are having on his farming operation. In the state of Texas, there are approximately 2.5 million feral hogs in all but one of the 254 counties across the state. Those hogs create an estimated $50 million in agricultural damages per year. And uh, we're going to talk more about uh, the feral hog situation with a South Texas cattle producer, uh, corn, grain sorghum, and cotton uh, farmer, Zach Yanta from Carnes County in Rungi. And uh, Zach, 
certainly uh, your county is one of those counties that is having issues with feral hogs. Tell us about your situation. Yes, sir, Tom. We are definitely uh, in the thick of it and have been for many years. Uh, I don't know how many decades, but it's an annual problem. It's gotten so bad that many of the producers around this area of the state are, are actually having to change their production quite extensively by changing the rotations of their cropping systems just to try to mitigate all the, the problems and damage money loss, revenue loss because of the thorough problem. By rotating the crops, how does that effectively deter maybe the feral hogs uh, damaging uh, the crops for the next season? Well, it's kind of a sad situation, if you ask me, because there there's some good farmland in the area that has traditionally been cropped in corn or grain sorghum or wheat or a grain commodity crop. It's not unusual for producers to lose in excess of 30% or more yearly to a feral hog situation for the damage created by these hogs. And uh, there are quite a few producers that I know personally in the area that just they've given up and they've gone ahead and converted their farmland, their cropland into permanent pastures and, uh, you know, end up grazing cattle instead of uh, cropping. What about the cattle, uh, especially the uh, the younger ones, the calves? Uh, are they uh, impacted in any way by feral hog uh, attacks or just their presence uh, there in the pastures? I have seen personally, uh, I had a friend in Goliad County several years back that when it was a, a pretty dry year and a buddy of mine had shown me pictures of some feral hog uh, injuries to a couple of his baby calves. I wouldn't say it's unusual, but, uh, you know, they are animals that will eat, you know, they're omnivores. They'll eat uh, animals as well as forbs and grains and just about anything they can find that, you know, that is a food source. Hogs, uh, I just, I like to call them, they're just small or miniature full-wheel drive bulldozers. If they want to get in through a fence, they're going to, they will push. I've seen it plenty of times where on some farmland that we had rented where the landowner put up a good, in fact, it was a deer fence. And eventually the hogs will push and push and push at the bottom of the fence until It'll stretch enough for break to where they do get in. Again, that is Zach Yanta. He is a South Texas uh, cattle rancher and grain and cotton farmer from Carnes County. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Lower Coastal Bend cotton farmers are wrapping up the 2020 growing season. Harvey Buring reports from Corpus Christi. Well, as September arrived here in the Lower Coastal Bend area, our Area cotton farmers are trying to wrap up this year's harvest activities, and they're going full speed ahead with cotton stock destruction as well. Now, as of September 1st, it was estimated that only 10 to 12 percent of the cotton acreage in Nueces and San Patricio counties still remained in the fields, and uh, during that first uh, five days of September, There was some generally favorable weather for maturing and harvesting cotton, so things have gotten to the point where there's only about 2 or 3% remaining. Cotton module trucks are slowing down. They've been getting 
pretty current on moving modules from cotton fields to the gin storage yards here during the past week or 10 days, and most of those gin storage yards are at full capacity. Many Coastal Bend cotton farmers are indicating that their yields have been running between two to two and a half bales per acre this season, and our cotton classing office in Corpus Christi is also operating at full speed. They started receiving samples from across all of the cotton growing regions in South and Central Texas. Now, some 33 gins sending samples as far away as the Brazos Bottom and Waco area to Corpus Christi. Now, the last account showed that they processed 106,000 samples for the first week of September. Meanwhile, the folks with the Bow Weevil Eradication Program have been on vigil throughout the season, only finding two weevils here during the entire season. That happened at the end of August in a field that was late planted in Jim Wells County, and since that time they've been treating that field twice a week for weevil control and have found no additional weevils in their traps. Reporting from the Coastal Bend area, this has been Harvey Beering. There have been no changes in the condition of the U.S. cotton crop over the last week. USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey looks at the numbers. Cotton condition for the week ending September 13th, 45% good to excellent, 27% very poor to poor. Those numbers unchanged from a week ago. Last year at this time, cotton was rated just a bit lower on the upper categories, 41% good to excellent, but better on the lower categories, 17% very poor to poor. So mixed compared to last year. And Rippey says here in Texas... We have the worst rated crop in the U.S. Texas continues to report the lowest conditioned cotton in the country, also the number one production state. 42% of Texas cotton rated very poor to poor. Most of that is drought impact, but there's also secondary impacts from hurricane damage in late July across southern Texas. And also it was very wet week across Texas, so some of the cotton in the middle part of the state was hit by heavy rain just in the last few days. USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey. The rash of catastrophic events hitting the beef industry during the past year, including the fire at the Kansas Beef Processing Plant and COVID-19, shows that the industry needs more processing capacity. Jessica Domel has the story. The supply chain issues seen in March and April at the start of the coronavirus pandemic in the United States has led Dustin Ahern, animal protein analyst for Bravo AgriFinance, to conclude that the industry needs more meatpacking capacity. From 2002 to 2019, the average percentage of fed steer prices minus drop credit to comprehensive cutout was about 55%. In 2016, the average for that year was about 54%. So if the industry were to return to the leverage level of 2016, we'd need to add about five to 6,000 head of daily packing capacity. He says the extra packing capacity can come from a variety of areas. Number one, it could come from technology at existing plants. Another potential would be smaller to medium-sized plants that really specialize in niche markets. We're talking 1,000 to 2,000 head daily capacity. And it's not cheap. 
we estimate about 100 to $120 million investment per 1,000 head of capacity. And we have to have enough capital to survive a full cattle cycle. If we start building a plant today, by the time that plant's up and running, we're probably going to be in a tighter cattle supply situation. Ahern adds the cattle industry needs to be flexible and nimble to stay ahead of changes in the future. The beef industry has really capitalized on a lot of successes over the last couple decades. We've gained export market access, improved genetics, and increased meat product quality, but we can't simply rest on past successes. We have to really be focused on the consumer, being ready to innovate and be creative because if history is making changes and jumps, we don't want to be caught flat-footed. With the long production cycle of beef, Ahern concludes the industry needs to be thinking five to ten years ahead because that is only a couple of generations of beef cattle. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The 2020 quail season will be very good in some areas of Texas, while not so good in others. I'm Gary Joyner, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And now is the time to prepare for fall calving season. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has some tips to get you ready coming up next on Texas Ag Today. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Well, it is time to prepare for the fall calving season. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has some tips to get you ready. The first thing to do is walk through your pens and chutes and make sure everything is in working order. You don't want to discover your cattle chute is not working at midnight when a heifer is calving. It's a good idea to assume you're going to have some calving problems and decide how you're going to handle the problem when it occurs. Dr. Glenn Self from Oklahoma State indicates that getting a calving kit together is a good idea, and I agree, as long as you have experience and training using the tools. However, you need experience using a mechanical calf puller, as pulling incorrectly can damage the calf and the cow. You need to make sure you're using the calf puller correctly and applying chains correctly. And it's a good idea to have your bovine veterinarian train you on the use of the puller. These are powerful instruments, and I've seen cows severely traumatized and calf legs broken due to incorrect use. You need to know how to apply chains and when you can apply pressure to extract the calf and when you cannot. Also, you need to know when to stop and call your vet because a C-section may be needed. And if you don't want to damage the calf trying to deliver it with the calf puller when a C-section could save the calf's life. The calving kit should contain obstetrical gloves, obstetrical chains, obstetrical handles, a mechanical calf puller, a gentle antiseptic, and an obstetrical lubricant. Gentle iodine, not tincture of iodine, can be added to water at about 20 mils per gallon to disinfect calving equipment. Although Dr. Selk recommends non-detergent soap and water, 
your vet can order you a better lubricant that will make the job much easier. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The 2020 quail season will be very good in some areas of Texas and not so good in others. Gary Joyner has a closer look in today's wildlife report. I'm with Dr. Dale Rollins, Executive Director of the Rolling Plains Quail Research Ranch in Fisher County. And Dr. Rollins, you produce a quail forecast every fall. It's that time of year. It's out. What can you tell us? Well, Gary, I would say for most of us that hunt West Texas, it's going to be about the same as last year. A few spots better. Of course, a few spots not as good. Our blue quail populations as a whole are down from last year. So for those that hunt in the Permian Basin, Trans-Pecos, uh, expect to work have to work a little harder. The best news, the brightest news is in South Texas. So if you've got friends in South Texas, when I say especially uh, the Hebronville, Falfurious area, if you've got coupons to clip down there, this is the year to do so. Uh, most of those people are at about an eight and a half plus. So uh, varies across the year. Of course, we've been extremely dry in West Texas, hot and dry. That doesn't bode well for quail. They've been fairly uh, utopic in their climate down there in South Texas this year. So it, it paid dividends for them. Tell us how the uh, actual forecast is compiled. Who do you have out there helping you with some of those observations? I sent an email out in early August to about 75 quailophiles, people, students of quail as I call them. Uh, some of them are professionals, parks and wildlife people, and most of them are not. They're interested long-term quail hunters or observant ranchers that I trust their opinions. And so I basically say, what do you think the quail season is going to be like on your property? Give me your forecast. So mostly anecdotal information. I've been doing it for about 10 years and uh, have developed some rapport with these ranchers and so forth, and most of the public seems to like that kind of report. That's Dr. Dale Rollins, Executive Director of the Rolling Plains Quail Research Ranch in Fisher County. I'm Gary Joyner for the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. We saw a mixed trade today in the cattle futures market, while the cotton market gave back some of those big gains we had yesterday. We'll take a closer look at all of today's livestock, cotton, grain, and energy markets coming up next on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-size weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. We had a mixed close in the cattle futures complex today, mostly on the higher side of the trade. We just had a couple of contracts closing lower. We'll start with live cattle. October up 22 cents, 107.10. December down 12, 111.57. February live cattle up 32 cents, 116.02. Feeder cattle mostly higher. October up a dollar ten, one forty three seventy. November feeders up ninety two cents at one forty four twelve. Looking at the cash fed cattle market, all quiet so far this week. No sales to report so far. Cattle are priced significantly higher this week. The show lists are smaller. 
Feedlots hoping to build on the momentum we had on Friday when prices bumped up a buck from 101 to 102. The higher futures market this week helping that situation as well. Again, we wrapped up trading last week 101 to 102 live, 160 to 161 dressed. Boxed beef mixed choice down 268 at 217.21. Select up 66 cents, 207.76. Let's check out a couple of feeder cattle auctions. We go to Giddings, Texas. Getting Livestock Commission selling 947 head. The trend was steady to higher. Two to three hundred pound steers brought 128 to a dollar 80 a pound. Three to four weight steers a dollar 30 to a dollar 80. Four to five weight steers a dollar 22 to a dollar 65. Five to six weight steers, a dollar fifteen to a dollar fifty. Six to seven weights, ninety-four to a dollar thirty-two. With seven to eight weight steers bringing ninety to a dollar thirty a pound. Slaughter cows, thirty-nine to fifty-six cents. Slaughter bulls, sixty to ninety-four. Stocker cows, six fifty to ten ten a head. Cow calf pairs brought six seventy to ten eighty a pair. Live Oak Livestock Auction in Three Rivers sold yesterday. They had 1,402 head. The trend there was steady to lower. Two to three weight steers, $1.46 to $1.94. Three to four weights, $1.30 to $1.82. Four to 500 pounders, $1.24 to $1.78. Five to six weight steers, $1.16 to $1.50. Six to 700 pounders, $1.08 to $1.34. With seven to eight weight steers bringing $94 to $1.28 a pound. Slaughter cows, 32 to 64 cents. Slaughter bulls, 64 to 86. Stocker cows, 525 to 1100 a head. Cow calf pairs, 775 to 1350 a pair. Now back over to the board. We'll check lean hogs. We had a mixed close there. October hogs up $1.07, 6570. December down 52 cents, 6305. October Class 3 milk down 59 cents, 1864 a hundredweight. The cotton market closed lower, giving back some of the big gains we saw on Monday. The support in that market Monday coming from Hurricane Sally. It was making a beeline for the Mid-South cotton crop. However, the track has changed somewhat. It's now endangering more Southeast cotton. But nonetheless, we had a more of a buy-the-rumor, sell-the-fat kind of situation where we ended up closing lower, giving back some of those gains. October down 7 points, 65.39. December cotton down 18 at 66.44. Lower prices for wheat and corn. December Kansas City wheat down 5.5, 4.68 a bushel. New crop July wheat down 4.5. 493 and three quarters. December corn down three and a half cents, 366 a bushel. Energy markets mixed with October natural gas up a nickel, 236. October crude oil up a dollar 15, 3841 a barrel. Well, that is a look at the markets, and that wraps up this Tuesday edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin. Be sure to check with us tomorrow. We'll be right back here with all of the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Thank you.